Hello, everybody. You are listening to Limited Playtime, the board game podcast where we bring you board game reviews in 30 minutes or less. Or the next episode is free. I'm Kyle Bolin. And I'm Jason Cavallari. And today we are talking about Marvel United. Or maybe we should just say we would like to talk about Marvel United. <laughs> okay. I, what, why the distinction? <laughs> Oftentimes, we're talking about games that one of us owns a physical copy of. And, and, and most of the time, when we talk about games, we've, we've had hands-on with a physical copy of the game. This is one of the exceptions. Um, Jason and I have been playing, or have played, or I've played, Marvel United on Tabletop Simulator uh, quite a few times now at this point. Um, I think you and I have each kind of gotten together together uh, at least twice, I think, in the last few months uh, to play Marvel United just for funsies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've played it solo a bunch. I played it with our friend Gabe over the weekend. Uh, all just kind of like on Tabletop Simulator. I've never actually touched any of the pieces. So this is a little bit different from where we're usually at. We can't speak to the component quality or anything like that, but we can speak to the mechanics of this game. And whether or not we think that it is worth your time and potentially worth your money. The reason why it fell on my radar is because there was recently a new Kickstarter for this game. Except that it's instead of just Marvel United, the version that came out in 2020, uh, this was for the X-Men version of the game. So it's instead of, you know, like the Avengers and the Guardians of the Galaxy, those are already out in the ecosystem somewhere. Uh, and that's what we've played on Tabletop Simulator, but what brought it to my attention was the fact that the new version is all X-Men and the Fantastic Four, actually. They threw that in as one of the, uh, <laughs> like, you know, additional, uh, expansions that you can purchase at everything in, in, you know, in the Kickstarter. Um, but it's no secret, Jason, that, um, a, a good deal of the real estate in my brain is taken up by Marvel comic book facts, right? <laughs> Um, and, and knowledge, uh, but but I think what people may not understand completely is that what what while that is true, and a great deal of my brain real estate is occupied by Iron Man and Captain America, you know, and and Spider Man. Uh, there's a, a great amount of real estate in my heart that is only available <laughs> to the X Men. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> and and so when this original Kickstarter came out in 2019 or whatever for Marvel United, the first version with the Avengers, I was like, oh, that looks interesting for like a sort of uh, like lightweight sort of uh, cooperative game. Uh, But I don't need that in my life right now. And so I just passed it up and I didn't even think twice and never looked back. Uh, And then lo and behold, Wolverine and Nightcrawler get involved. And all of a sudden I'm spending way too much money on this thing because I want the chibi Nightcrawler up on my desk somewhere, you know? Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can appreciate that. And I decided to jump on Tabletop Simulator, try the game out, see how it played, to see if it was really worth my time and money uh, before I, I spent money on the Kickstarter for the X-Men version of the game. I wanted to just see mechanically how does this play? Is it worth, you know, is it worth my attention when I've got other co-op games or solo games, solitaire games that, uh, you know, already capture a great deal of my attention? So that's right. why we delve into this, and uh, that's why we're talking about it today. Uh, this, I haven't talked about, you know, who it's by and everything. So we'll do that. This game is designed by Andrea Chiarvezio and Eric Lang, Eric M. Lang, uh, art by Edouard Guiton. Uh, it is published by Simon and Spin Masters. Uh, it plays between one and four players around 40 minutes, has a weight of 1.86 out of five on the board game geek weight scale. (laughs) Not a super heavy game. 
No. no. <laughs> I would say that's accurate. Yeah. You want to say anything about this game so far, Jason? You want to talk about how we play it? Um, sure. Uh, so basically what you do is uh, there's a board and it's uh, round and in the middle it goes uh, the big bad that you're the villain that you're choosing to go up against. Um, and there's a whole bunch of them. We've played against several, um, you know, Modoc, Hella, um, I don't know who else have we done. <laughs> Red Skull, Taskmaster, Ultron, um, right, yes. a bunch, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch, way more than that. I've done yeah. a lot of it. <laughs> and then you choose, uh, your heroes. Each player gets a hero, um, to fight against the villain. Um, and basically what happens is each character, including the villain gets a deck of cards and, uh, turns are taken by playing a card, and you play a card on the timeline. Um, and the card will let you do one of, or two of any of a number of actions. Um, in, they allow you to move, they allow you to fight, they allow you to uh, perform heroic actions, or something special pertaining to your character. Um, and basically what happens is that you get to do whatever's on the card that you played, Plus the character card that was played before it, uh, not the villain card, but the the other players' cards. Um, so you get basically a sequence of two cards uh, and the actions on those cards to use in any order that you kind of see fit. Um, and then after every so many turns, I think it's three turns. After every three, um, uh, he, like hero turns, the villain goes and the villain puts down his or her card. Uh, and then you do it, the whatever the, the card says. Usually that involves throwing out some thugs or um, some uh, like civilians. civilians, yeah. That need to be rescue. rescued, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, I forgot what it's called, the thing that... Uh, Bam? Bam, yes, Bam. <laughs> <laughs> Bam is like the, it's like the villain special action. What happens on a Bam is usually described by the villain's character card. Um, and it could be anything, uh, usually some something flavorful having to do with the uh, with the villain themselves. Yeah, they're all very unique. Like each villain has their own set of mechanics that is, you know, like like like, like completely dictates what the BAMs do and what happens when there's overflow in locations with the thugs and the the, the civilians that they need rescued and, and so on and so on. Yeah. And so basically the rest of the game is taking turns trying to defeat uh, the villain. Um, there's a few catches. One is that you can't actually harm the villain directly until a couple of different conditions are met, uh, meaning that you have to either save a certain number of civilians or you know punch out a certain number of of henchmen or minions or whatever thugs, um, thugs, yeah. or uh, resolve a number of threats, which are a different kind of card that the uh, that the villain puts out. Um, so you know once you accomplish two of those things. Uh, then you can start attacking the villain. Um, but also as those, as you accomplish those things, it also gets a little harder. So, uh, say you accomplish one of those tasks, uh, then the villain gets to go every two turns instead of every three. Um, so it starts ramping up really quickly. And, uh, so basically you're, you're supposed to, um, destroy the villain before they destroy you or the time runs out. Yeah, there's a, there's a real sense of escalation during these games often. Um, you know, I, I think there's been very few games where I've played it and it felt like we just like kind of had it in hand the entire time. It always kind of felt like things could go off the rails pretty quickly because of that escalation mechanic that they've got mm -hmm. where the villain starts going more often after you've completed two of the missions. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's essentially it in a nutshell. I mean, it's all about 
really this game comes down to really sort of like uh, min-maxing your actions in order to try to complete the three potential missions that allow you to make the, the villain vulnerable. And, and it comes down to, I think this game's really about the cooperative nature of what can you do, what can I do, and how can we min-max that so that we're helping each other on each other's turn as well because we're going to benefit from the card that each other plays or that, you know, the person before me played uh, on their turn, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, I think, is really what makes this game shine beyond other cooperative games or, or at least gives it an identity beyond other cooperative games because otherwise it just kind of feels like another permutation of pandemic type mechanics right where you've got a certain number of loss conditions that you're trying to fight against and mitigate the acceleration of those loss conditions throughout the game as well as trying to use some of your actions and some of your time to achieve certain goals that you know get you closer to the goal line and get you closer to a win pandemic has been doing that forever there's been a ton of games that do the exact same thing where you've got like certain things working against you that you're constantly trying to push back against things that you also need to be pushing forward in order to try to get to the end game goal. That's what this game does, but I feel like the one thing that it does that I haven't really seen any other games do is that mechanic where the card that you're last, that the player before you played, you get to use as well. Um, That, to me, is novel and that is new, and I think that is interesting enough to make this game worth looking at and worth talking about at the very least. Yeah, I'd say that's true. I mean, it really, uh, one of the things that um, I think we've mentioned a a couple of times before when we talk about cooperative games is that there tends to be this difficulty with cooperative games kind of devolving into quarterbacking. And I, I didn't really get that as being a major problem with this particular game. Uh, It's really a lot more collaborative than I think a lot of other cooperative games can tend to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like, there there's still are turns where I'm like, hey, if I do this, do you have two punches or two wilds that'll allow you to do two punches? Because if we can, you know, like, if you can piggyback off this thing that I can play into something like that, then you can do this, you can achieve this goal, like, you know, punching out this minion or, you know, like, like, uh, clearing out, you know, uh, these two these two civilians that he rescued or just killing the villain, right? Like outright. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's as close as we get to quarterbacking in this game is one of us having an idea and saying, Hey, if I do this, can you do that? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know that that's really quarterbacking because you're not telling anybody what they need to do in order to succeed. You're just saying, if these conditions can be met, then we can do this thing. Um, but that's not always the case. Right. right. Um, and I know that when like just this past weekend, when I was playing with our friend Gabe, uh, like there were plenty of times where I was like, oh, maybe this is the best play right now in this situation. And he would be like, oh yeah, that sounds good. And then he would kind of take a second look at the board and be like, actually, if I do this over here, then this other thing can happen. And I would be like, ooh, that sounds even better. Right. And so I think that it really is a more collaborative game, at least for us having similar experience levels with the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like it would continue to be that way. Even if you've played the game a lot more than somebody else has. I mean, I guess technically I've played more than you and Gabe have because I played a bunch by myself a couple days, too. Right. Yeah. Um, but but still, it does feel more collaborative in nature, um, probably because of the fact that, well, first, we weren't playing open handed. Right? right. And that makes a big difference. But also, um, there's just so many different ways you can you can go in this. And it's like there's three main missions, you know, like either knock out like nine thugs, save nine civilians. Or, uh, you know, like clear four missions at the six locations on the board. And basically, like what we're doing is we're just saying like, hey, should we do this one first? Should we should we like, you know, like slow down on this one here because we don't want to accelerate the villains turns 
Um, those are all the conversations we're having around the table. The game is not terribly complex, so I mean, there's only so many types of those conversa- conversations that happen, um, but I feel like they happen every game. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I just, I don't feel like it, I don't feel like there's been much quarterbacking, yeah. Yeah. I, I, another thing that I kind of like about this as a cooperative game is that the villains themselves are kind of, they're kind of like puzzles that the group has yeah. to figure out. Um, yes. Because each villain has its own, you know, specific mechanic that matches, you know, the the flavor of the villain or whatever. Right. Um, So no two really work the same way. And so a strategy that would work for one villain would certainly not work for another one. Um, And I think part of the group dynamic that makes the game fun and interesting is together trying to solve the puzzle of how this villain works and how we can effectively defeat it then. I really enjoy that part of this game. I really enjoy trying out the different villains um, because <laughs> each of them is a very specific scenario for you to play using the basic mechanics of the game. It, it like jumbles it all together into a, a mechanic soup that feels, you know, I like distinct from all of the other permutations, you know, like, like, like thrown together by the different villains and their cards that dictate all the different rules and everything. That said, um, the heroes themselves are very samey, right? Oh, yeah. Um, like, like each hero has a deck of cards that you're you're choosing to play from, and I think it's twelve cards per hero. And um, nine of the cards between the heroes are identical to every other hero. There's only three cards that have like special abilities on yeah. them yeah. that you get to play, and you only get to play those three cards once per game in most cases, unless you have a special ability that you know that you or another character has. It's like swap a card on the timeline with a card in your hand, which that exists. We've seen that, but it's pretty rare, right? Yeah. And so for the most part, you know, Iron Man plays pretty identically to Captain America. And that feels weird, I guess. But at yeah. the same time, when I'm playing this game, I it, I like the mechanics of it enough that I'm enjoying it. And that hasn't mattered to me that much. But if you're going into this looking like, you know, or feeling like you really want to feel like the Hulk, uh, the, the times where you feel like the Hulk are fairly limited. You'll get a turn or two here and there where you're like, oh, cool, I played this awesome damage card and smashed somebody. But the other 95% of the game, you're just doing the same thing that Black Widow could do or whatever. Right, yeah. Although it is pretty satisfying when you get that turn where you can, like, use the special ability powers. and. Yeah, I mean, if you find a good a good turn to play it and, and, and it feels like, I don't know, there's been plenty of turns where, like, you had a character that maybe does, like, a lot of damage in one turn, right? Yeah. And you have no better choice but to use that card on a turn to take out a couple of thugs to try to make sure that, you know, like the, a certain location doesn't overflow with villain, like with thugs or whatever. Um, and so you need two damage worth of, of punches and you've got a card that does three or four or whatever. And so then it, it kind of feels a little, a little less special because you could have just had a normal card that did the same thing mm. and you just had to waste your, your special, you know, like, like Hulk card or whatever. Um, so that can happen a little bit of a drawback, not minor nitpick, you know, um, I think the, the bigger criticism is just that there isn't that much flavor and there isn't that much difference between the heroes themselves. This is really about the differences between the villains in order to make the game feel varied and everything and, and right, more yeah. thematic. Yeah. Um, that said, the X-Men version of the game that was recently on Kickstarter and I believe is still in, uh, on, on the, like on Simon's, you know, like, like, um, crowdfunding website or whatever i think you can still go on there and, and do a late backing for it if you're interested but i, I believe that they said during the uh, the initial campaign that they were going to be adding some character specific abilities 
uh, to the different characters to give them a little bit more flavor and a little hmm. bit more utility. And also that I believe they're going to have more of the cards within their deck are going to be tailored specifically to just that character. So I think that from what I've read, the X-Men version of the game sounds like it's going to be um, a little bit more thematic and a little bit more interesting uh, as far as the characters go and, and, and how they feel relative to each other. So hmm. uh, I'm pretty excited to see that. I, you know, I think the game is really fun to play already, uh, and I think that'll just make it even better. So Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think I would like to see that. Um, I mean, I, this isn't something that I really thought about beforehand, but now that you mention it, like, yeah, I mean, if I'm going to play as Doctor Strange, I want to feel like I'm Doctor Strange. I want to, yeah. I want to like do magic stuff. <laughs> right. And I feel like when I was playing as Doctor Strange, I really, I really don't remember any of the special abilities that I had. <laughs> Doctor Strange is actually one of the better characters in the game. I think he was one of the um, the stretch goals, or he might have come in one of the special boxes that you, you know, one of the special expansion boxes that you pay for. Because he actually has more special cards in his deck than anyone else. Um, I think he's got like five or six or something instead of just three. Uh, and, and I played a sim over the weekend, and he actually is a better example within this game of, of being like them thematically matching what you want. Like he's got like, you know, the I have Agamotto that you can play in, and it causes the villain card that's usually face down uh, to be face up. So you can kind of plan ahead for what's going to happen on the villain's turn. He's got a cloak of levitation that allows him to like, you know, affect things in a location one over from him, like, you know, an adjacent location. Um, and he's got a, like a portal ability. I know that just allows you to like teleport to another location anywhere on the board. So, like, when I was thinking about heroes that feel thematically like, you know, like you expect, and the ones that don't, Doctor Strange was actually the example I came up with that, to me, he feels the most like a character. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, with some it, identity compared to the other ones, but... Could be that he was, like, the first one that I played, and that was a long time ago, so I don't yeah, really remember. Yeah, that's true. But, yeah, that's um, probably... I mean, I, I do feel like it could have made a bigger impression on me, I mean, I, but it's also, I who knows, it was it was a long time ago. The mechanics are also fairly limited, right? I mean, all you're really... The only things that the characters do for the most part, uh, if you're not using the special abilities, is take away a thug. If the villain is vulnerable, you can do a damage to the villain. Uh, you can, you know, rescue a civilian, or what? You can put down, like, a heroic action token on a, on a mission at a location in order to try to clear it. Mm -hmm. That's basically it, you know? Like, and so oftentimes the, the abilities that they have in this game are, you know, like it might allow you to break the rules a little bit. Like, you know, like, oh, I can, you know, I can teleport from one location to another instead of having to use a move. Oh, it's a move icon is the other thing that you can do, right? Yeah. Um, or or do damage in, a, in an adjacent location is another example that I just used for Doctor Strange. Like, that's breaking a rule, right? Stuff like that. But it's all sort of still, um, it's all still working within the confines of those four basic actions that you can do. Um, you know, I know, like, one of the things Hawkeye does is, like, you can do two damage to anybody that's in the exact opposite location from where you're at on the board. Stuff like that, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it breaks the rule in terms of, like, where you can do the damage, but you're still just doing that damage that is, like, the basic little mechanic. So I feel like they do a pretty good job with as limited as the mechanics in the game are with varying that up a bit. But again, like, the differences between the heroes are pretty small. Um, right, yeah. So you got to yeah. keep that in mind if you're, if you're looking at this game. Uh, the, the retail package... I think we should talk about that as well, um, because what we've played online on Tabletop Simulator is like we've had this just cornucopia of villains to choose from and heroes <laughs> to choose from and everything. There's like dozens in there, right? Yeah, I um, didn't play the same of, one twice. Yeah, dozens of different locations to put out on the board, and each location has its own little like special perk. 
if you end your turn at the at, uh, at a location after you've cleared the mission there. Uh, so there's dozens of those in the tabletop simulator version of the game. But if you go to Walmart and pick this up off the shelf, you're going to get three villains, you're going to get seven heroes, and I don't know how many locations, but not as many as there are in Tabletop Simulator. So it's not quite as broad of an experience as what you and I have experienced, but I feel like for the price that this game is, it's probably still a fair value. Uh, I think the game's MSRP is $40, but I've never mm. seen it priced that way. I think it's 35 on Walmart.com if you go there right now. I think it might be around there or even cheaper at Target. Um, actually, you know what? I think Walmart... Yeah, Walmart has it for twenty four right now. If you go to their website, um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's I think it's similarly priced on Amazon. So I mean, like it's you can get it for under thirty really easily. Uh, it's just not that bad, you know. Like if if you just want to have like a, a nice little, relatively simple co op to play, uh, solo. I think you could play this with your kids and it'd be all right. Like I think that this is one of those games where, when I say you can play this with kids. What I mean is like the rules for there aren't it doesn't have very complicated rules. You can teach it to kids and they'll be able to play it mechanically pretty well. But you're still going to need to be a little bit of a guiding hand in terms of strategy. Right. That way they're not just like, you know, going whole hog into just knocking out all the thugs and then accelerating the villain too quickly. You know, you talk about those little things, those little nuances. But for the most part, I feel like you could play this with just about anybody. It's not that complicated. So. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's Ed. I mean, I enjoy this game. I think it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yes. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I kept coming back to it because I was just like, man, I feel like doing something fun tonight, but I don't feel like burning my brain out and I don't feel like doing anything that's going to take an hour and a half to two hours to do. And I just kept coming back to this because you can play it in like 30, 45 minutes. Yeah. You can complete a mission and or fail a mission. Uh, and it's fun and it doesn't stress me out at all. Like it, it's almost more relaxing to play than anything, even though, you know, like there's, you know, still a loss condition in the game. Um, I, I, I really enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm surprised by how much I enjoy this game, Jason. <laughs> I expected so to come I. into this and <laughs> just be like, this is a shallow, silly, you know, like, like this is for simpletons or whatever. And I really enjoy it. I was surprised. Yeah, I think it hits like a really good sweet spot where it's, you know, it's 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 not terribly complicated. It's a fairly simple game, but there's still a bunch of strategy involved in in trying to figure out how how to defeat the villain and how the heroes are going to work together. Um, You know, it's real cute. The artwork is kind of kind of. Oh, yeah. We didn't talk about that, did we? No, no. I mean, it's not it's sort of comic booky, but not like the the comic book art that you would see in an actual comic. It's sort of it's chibi. Oh, I'm sorry. There's a term for this. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, chibi. Like, like when there's like sort of like diminu- diminutive, diminutive, like sort of like like squatter little like you know versions of a of a character. Mm-hmm. Um, when they're made to be like kind of smashed and cute, that's chibi. It's like oh. a, I think, yeah. Well, um, that's precisely what this is. <laughs> it is, yeah, yeah. So they're they're little chibi, like like you got a little chibi angry Red Skull, chibi Iron Man. Um, you know, like I I, I when I first looked at this, it, it just kind of like. The look of the game added to the narrative in my head that it was for kids or, you know, like very, very casual board game players. And it's grown on me as as the game has. So, like, I just I just find that it the the style of the art matches the level of fun that the game presents. You, <laughs> you I think, mechanically. So I yeah, feel like it's a good fair. fit, actually. Yeah, it's very yeah. Ch- the art is very charming. And so is the game. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Yeah, I think that's a great way to summarize Marvel United is it's charming it's a very charming game yes yes and fun uh yeah i i think that um if you were interested in this i think that you know like going to target uh or walmart or whatever and picking up a copy for you know 25 bucks 
really not that bad of a value. Uh, alternatively, if you're interested in the X-Men thing and going whole hog into that, you know, maybe try it out on Tabletop Simulator, see if it's for you, and then you can decide how much money you want to throw at it because you can throw anywhere from like 60 bucks into, you know, like, like to several hundred dollars into this <laughs> game because there's so much expansion content for it. Um, and, you know, I, I think that now the game also comes with miniatures. Uh, I've seen a lot of people doing like some really cool miniature painting online on Board Game Geek. If you're interested in seeing that, you know, go, go check it out. Um, but I, I think that like, again, the main thing is like, there's additional mechanics that the expansions add, like, you know, there could be like, I don't know, like, like I saw that in, in the, I think it was the Asgard expansion that we've not played with. There's like a traitor version of the game where like somebody's a traitor on your team, potentially things like that. So like, hmm. you know, they have all kinds, there's like a, there's like a Spider-Man sinister six things where you like fight six villains instead of one or whatever, like, you know? Yeah. Um, so there's all kinds of variations that they've got involved in the expansion content in the Kickstarter stuff, all worth going and taking a look at if this sounds interesting to you. Um, I'm excited to get my X-Men copy and I'm excited to have, you know, like Magneto floating above my monitor or something. Cause I, I have this feeling that a lot of the characters are not going to live in boxes when I get this thing. I think they're probably going to end up painted and, you know, hanging out with me at my desk. Um, cause you know, I love the X-Men and I need, I need X-Men to keep me company. Apparently. Who doesn't want to hang out with Magneto? Yeah. I can't think of, I don't know, like Hitler, I guess. <laughs> Red Skull probably. Okay, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, all right. Uh, Jason, if people would like to get a hold of us and let us know who their favorite X-Man is, how would they do so? Okay, well, to uh, cast your vote for skids, uh, you can <laughs> email us. It's podcast at limitedplaytime.com. You can go to the website, limitedplaytime.com. Uh, you can uh, visit us on Twitter. <laughs> it's at limitedplaytime. And go to Instagram at limitedplaytimepodcast. All right. We should be back in about two weeks. Um, I think we've got two more episodes to do before Gen Con, and then we're going to be doing, like I think I maybe mentioned, we're probably going to try to do uh, an episode for each day of Gen Con. Uh, so that'll be an awesome limited playtime extravaganza. That <laughs> extravaganza! Is, that is not limited in any sort of way. We will just talk as long as we want. Or as short as we want. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, but you got that looked forward. Uh, you have that to look forward to in September. <laughs> uh, but we should be back in about two weeks with another game review. Uh, I think we got a couple games in mind that we're going to take a look at. I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, so look forward to that, and we'll see you in two weeks. Yay, later. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.